Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. All right, eight people got saved. Come on. Woo! How many would like to see someone physically get healed? Who's never seen someone get healed, get, get healed physically? Would you like to see that? Wow, we have a team going out once a month, hook up with uh, Justin and Violet, and uh, you'll see it happen, and you'll see people come to the Lord, and, and it's great uh, doing street ministry, going out, because uh, you can just practice, and, uh, and it's okay, it's a safe way, it's safe because you're with them, <laughs> and they'll teach you and train you and give you some tips, and, uh, and then you can learn how to do it naturally in your world, in your workplace, or in school, in your in your community, so it's, it's a great thing, and I'm just so excited that that, uh, that happened, and uh, we're reaching people. We had a great time at the Fish Fry down in Vandalia. That was a huge turnout. The place was packed, and uh, at least half of the people that came were just people from the community that we had never uh, met before, and they were just stopping by, so it was a great, great uh, outreach, and I just love that as a church, we're finding ways to reach out to our community because that's what we're called to. And that really ties in to our series, which is The Three Journeys. And we're uh, focusing this last part of the year on the outward journey. The outward journey is uh, about getting the, the message of the gospel out and uh, connecting with our world and being an influence in our community as well as to the lives of individuals in our community, in our circle of influence. And it's just as important to our spiritual growth, the whole year is on the spiritual growth, uh, the outward journey is just as important as the inward and the upward journey. The inward journey being basically getting ourselves healed up, overcoming sin in our life, getting our lives uh, uh, fruitful. And that's what most people think of as spiritual growth, is just growing spiritually internally. And it's an important part. And then the up- upward journey is getting to know God, coming into a greater awareness of his presence, of his nature, his attributes, and that's very, very important. But we need to understand that that inward journey and the upward journey is meant to equip us and empower us for the outward journey, okay? We're called to do something and to be an influence in our communities, and that's what this outward journey is all about. And so it's, it's just as important, it's just as integral to our spiritual growth as uh, the other two uh, journeys. And we really do all three at the same time. It's not like you do one and then the other. It's, it's a, it's a com, uh, combination of all three journeys that we kind of go back and forth on throughout our lives. The theme verse for this uh, uh, part of the series is found in John chapter 20. Jesus is speaking to his disciples saying, Peace to you, as the Father has sent... Uh, me, I also send you. And so Jesus said that to his disciples, but I want us to understand that, that Jesus is saying that to us right now. And Jesus is saying that to you. As the Father sent him, Jesus is now sending you. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> Maybe it's exciting. You should get excited about that. So with the same amount of power and influence that Jesus had, from the Father, He wants you to have from Him. And so that's the call, that's the purpose, that's what the outward journey is all about. And we're going to use this um, familiar parable 
found in uh, Matthew 13 uh, concerning obstacles uh, that we face in the outward journey. Last week, Phil and Marilee did a great job talking about various obstacles. And what they talked about really were internal obstacles, stuff we have to overcome, like, I don't know what to say, or uh, I'm an introvert, it's, uh, it's hard for me to, 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 to open up, and, and things like that. <clears throat> and I thought they did a great job dealing with some of the internal obstacles. I'm actually going to focus more on external obstacles, and I'm just going to use this parable as an outline. So let's, let's read this, and then we'll talk about it. Found in Matthew 13, says, uh, He spoke to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up, but because they had no depth of earth. Uh, but when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, with, uh, root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty and some 30. So almost every time we read this, or probably every time you've ever read this, or every time you've ever heard someone teach on this, it's uh, taught from the perspective that you're the ground, you're the dirt, you know, and you need to, you need to be good dirt. <laughs> be good dirt. <laughs> but Jesus was actually talking to his disciples about sowing seeds. So we're going to look at this, and I want you to consider this uh, parable as instructions on how to sow the seed of the gospel. All right? So this is instructions for the sowers and not necessarily instruction for the dirt. <laughs> and um, I think that the first obstacle is actually an unbiblical method of sowing. I have a package of seeds here. Can you imagine that? I have some seed packages around here. And did you know on, on a package of seed, there's actually instructions on how to sow the seed. Um, and uh, it has different recommendations. You know, soil temperature must be 40 degrees uh, or warmer. And um, uh, it says uh, it takes about five to 10 days to emerge. Seed depth, one inch. I like this. It says seed spacing, two inches. And it has a parentheses, yes, two inches. <laughs> Two inches, yes. Two, I'm saying two inches. I'm like, a human wrote this. <laughs> Row spacing, 18 inches. Um, and so there, if, you don't, if you don't sow them, you know, if I took this and I planted it, it's a seed depth of one inch. What would happen if I planted it three inches deep? It's just going to rot. The seed won't, won't, won't grow because it's too deep. <clears throat> and so we need to sow in a biblical method. Well, uh, there's actually an instruction in um, uh, this parable that the sower went out and just scattered the seed everywhere. All right? And so he just took the seed, and he, without regard to where it was going to land, just started throwing seeds out. Everybody laughs when I do that. There you go. <coughs> you guys think you're safe way back there. <laughs> All right? <laughs> I know, Katie. Thank you, Katie. <laughs> So what we do is we're like, where am I going to put seed? Where am I going to put seed? You know, like, oh, I've got to be real careful with the seed. So I put it somewhere. So, you know, you know, oh, God, should I tell this person about Jesus? There's so many stuff in there. Father, should I pray for this? Should, should I say something? That is not the biblical way to sow. 
right? Biblical way is just scatter, scatter the seed. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If they're a creature, preach the gospel to them. If they're human, it's even better. <laughs> all right? No limitations, all right? Don't pre-qualify. Don't say, oh, I'm not going to say it to them because they're, they're, you know, they're, they're in the dope. They're in the drugs. They're, so, they're, just, they're rich. They, they won't listen to me. Uh, boy, he's my boss. I'm not going to be able to say anything to him. Or, <clears throat> you know, man, I don't, they're such an atheist. They're such a liberal. They're, they're just going on and on about this and that. They're not going li- to listen. That's pre-qualifying. That's saying, oh, I'm not going to put my seed there, and I'm not going to put my seed there, and that is unbiblical sowing. Okay, so it doesn't matter how much uh, different they are, how you think they may or may not be receptive. God says, sow that seed. So the prayer should be not should I share, but how should I share? Because everyone is different in how you connect with someone with the the message of of God's love and truth differs. And so you need to be praying, how can I do it? But understand, you're not responsible for the outcome. You don't have to fear doing something wrong. All right? You just need to scatter the seed and trust God to, 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 that it bears fruit. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, and so uh, don't let the enemy paralyze you uh, using guilt or shame that you didn't do something or you didn't do it right. Uh, and so that, that paralysis was one of the big obstacles that the enemy uses to shut you down or to shut you up. And you need to overcome that by not listening to that. You're not, you're not responsible for how they respond to it. You're just responsible for finding a way to show God's love or show God's truth uh, to those in your life, to those that you have opportunity. And uh, don't be afraid and don't think that you have to do something to make them a Christian, okay? Your job is not to convince anyone to be a Christian, your job is just to share the truth of the message that you know, either expressions of love or, 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 or expressions of truth, because you may move them just one little step on the scale, and it may take many other people that will actually bring them to the place of conversion. And there's actually a chart. This is called the Engels Scale. Uh, it's pretty well known. And there's copies on the table there behind the banner by the front door if you want to grab it. But, you know, taking someone from no knowledge of a creator or a, a, a sovereign God uh, to awareness that, yeah, maybe God exists, that's a huge step. And if you can just take them to the place where they, they, they will allow, entertain the idea that, yeah, maybe God exists, um, and what would that God be like? Bam, you've done it. Or God's angry and mean and, and just wants to send me to hell. And, and you get them to realize, no, God's not angry at you. That's a huge step, okay? At some point, they do have to come to a place where they accept uh, the relationship and enter into a covenant relationship. But your job is just to share truth and to share love and let God do the work. All right, obstacle number two that we see in this parable is misunderstanding. Uh, uh, And so when I read the parable, and then as I uh, tackle each one of these obstacles, I'm reading from when Jesus explains the parable to his disciples later in that chapter. He says, When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the paths. And in the parable, it's the birds that come and eat the seed. And so we understand that uh, what he's saying here is that uh, when we speak the truth and we show the love of Jesus, 
Some people aren't going to get it. Right? Some people are not going to understand how this connects with their life. Uh, they just don't get it. They don't understand why. It almost is like we're speaking foolishness. But the Bible actually says this. So the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. So guess what, guys? Don't be hindered by this obstacle when someone doesn't understand. If you are trying to communicate the gospel and they don't see how it applies to their life, that means you're on track. You've found some soil that needs a seed. Does this make sense? All right. Don't be dissuaded by the fact that they don't understand. Realize, ah, this is what the Bible told me to expect. Mm -hmm. right? Because people aren't going to understand it. Jesus says you can't see the kingdom of God without faith. It's like invisible to them. Now, if you're here, it's most likely you've come to the place where you've seen it and it's changed your life. And so the thing that is the biggest thing in my life, which is the gospel and my relationship with God and Jesus, the most influential aspect of my life, when I'm talking to an unbeliever, they can't even see that. All right? But that's legitimate. It's, it's legitimate to understand that they don't, get a clue, they don't have a clue. Don't be put off by that. Rather, see that, uh, uh, understand that that needs to affect. What happened? Boom, 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 boom. Something happened to the computer. <coughs> uh, that means that uh, we need to be aware of how we're sharing. And the next verse is going to come up. <laughs> is it working? There you go. Oh, it caught up. Understanding, uh, realizing that people aren't going to understand means that we need to be very intentional how we communicate. All right? I love this verse in 1 Corinthians 9. It says, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Uh, and, and New Living Translation uh, translates this way i try to find common ground all right so no matter how different someone is your goal is to find something in common that you can relate to that you can then introduce oh in this aspect my life was changed by the message of, of god's love and truth and just share what what's happened to you share how it's impacted you and let them hear and so finding something in common uh, so that they can then have the opportunity to respond. This is the big obstacle, number three, and the, the main reason why I wanted uh, to speak on this topic is that we have an enemy. <clears throat> uh, the birds that come and eat the, the, the seeds in the parable, Jesus explains as being the evil one or Satan who comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. Uh, lack of understanding just makes it easy for the enemy to do this, but I've had people where I've shared truth and they've understood it. They've repeated it back to me. They knew how it applied to their life. And then they walked away. And I hear a day, a week, or a month later that they just aren't living it. You know? So something happened between when they were with me and then they went back into their, their life and, and the, their, the circumstances of their life. And they, they began making bad choices. And so the enemy can come and just snatch that right out. Uh, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, if our gospel, if this good news is, is veiled, covered, hidden, 
It's veiled to those who are perishing, who the minds the God of this age has blinded. So the enemy, Satan, the God of this age, has the ability to blind people's minds who do not believe, least the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. We need to realize whenever you're in the situation where you're, you're communicating, you're uh, interacting with someone who's not yet in a life-giving, uh, saving relationship with Jesus Christ, there's four influences at play. There's what you bring, how you share, what you have to say. There's them and their mind, their history, their, their past, their opinions. Those are all valid. But then uh, there's the enemy that's trying to blind them, trying to steal the seed. And then there's God, the Holy Spirit within you and, and, and God behind you trying to use you and use other Christian influences to bring them to a place where they come into relationship. And it's very important that we realize that when we're talking to someone, even if they're vehemently opposed to Christian, Christianity, to Jesus Christ or, or truth from Scripture, we need to realize that they are not the enemy. Okay, They are most likely a victim. Because there's an enemy that's behind them, or in them, or influencing them. And so you kind of you have to wage the war on two levels. You want to reach them with love, but you need to realize that there's, an in, there's spiritual influences that are wicked, that are demonic, that just want to devour them. And understand this dynamic, and understand that God who's in you is greater than you. So many times, practically every time that I'm actually sharing gospel, sharing uh, uh, love to someone that I know is, is not a, a follower of Christ, internally I'm praying, I'm binding the enemy, I'm, I'm asking God to intervene and, and to silence the influence of the enemy so that the heart of this person can hear what I'm saying or receive what I'm doing. And so our job is to shine the light, the glorious light of the gospel, bright enough so that it penetrates through that veil or somehow gets around it or we find a crack to shine through that they can see in us, in what we do as well as what we say, uh, the truth of the gospel. Paul says it this way. And again, this verse, uh, like the parable of the sower, is usually applied to your own personal walk. <clears throat> it says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And as Christians, we most often read that saying, we, we're wrestling to, to keep our salvation. But you're not wrestling to keep your salvation. Jesus won that battle. All right? What are we wrestling for? And, and many, some scholars believe that principalities, powers, and rulers are actually different levels of demonic governance. All right, and so there's like uh, uh, federal uh, government and state government and local government, or there's principalities, powers, and rulers, and he sums it up. There's like a there's a spiritual host, a whole bunch, a multitude of wickedness in, in heavenly places that are at work here, <clears throat> and the uh, and the instruction is to take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day, having done all to stand. So we're equipped with armor to do a battle. Well, what's the battle? To save our own soul? No, to save those that we're in the midst of, to save our generation. And he concludes this section with praying with all prayer uh, and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful, and with all perseverance and supplication 
for all the saints and for me that utterance may be given to me that I may be that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. The conclusion of that whole section is that there would be prayers uh, so that we could, not only for Paul, but for all the saints and for him to have the opportunity to share the gospel and make known the mystery. All right. So that battle is about being equipped to overcome the obstacle of the enemy so that when we speak truth, people hear it because, because of our prayers, because of our supplication, the, the veil of the enemy has been torn. That, come on, we've got to do it. We've got to be praying. <clears throat> uh, it doesn't mean hiding in your closet and praying. That's good if, if you pray that way. That, we have to do that too. But, you know, when you're walking out in the streets, talking in tongues, praying, uh, if you see somebody, God, how can I share effectively? What can I do? Some act of love. Uh, some word of encouragement. All right, number four is stony places and no root. <clears throat> Again, the explanation of that part, Jesus says, he who receives seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. So when tribulation or persecution and temptation uh, arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. All right, so if you're sowing seed... <clears throat> You have a seed, and you realize we're scattering about, but you know there's you have this opportunity. There's some ground right there, and you realize that it's it's hard, and you just sow, and it bounces right off, just like that seed did right there. What if you're actually sowing a, a natural seed? What would you do? Turn the ground, water it. You'd break up that ground. You'd do something so that you could get the seed in the ground and sometimes you have opportunity to do that and if you do this is this is the instruction packet of how to sow oh if you sow and you see some of the ground is hard break it up break up the fallow ground hosea a prophecy again that's usually uh we thought of as a personal application but the prophet was speaking to the community break up the fallow ground <clears throat> fallow ground is a ground that's allowed to be hardened uh, because of disuse Right? And so hardened uh, uh, soil that hasn't been plowed or broken up, and sometimes it sits there for years, and nothing fruitful will grow in it. You need to break up that ground for uh, the sake of righteousness. And uh, <clears throat> what that means is that we need, as we're sowing, to, as much as we're able, be aware of the condition of the soil uh, and, and be uh, ready to either maybe break up some ground or wait for a crack to open up. And as I was preparing this, this, this thought came to mind, sometimes the garbage of life can turn into fertilizer for the seed of the good news of the gospel. And what I mean by that is often, as, as Christians, maybe you've been serving God for a long time, and you've got a lot of the inward journey dealt with, you know, and you're in a relationship with God, and you see somebody's life, and they're just, their life's filled with garbage. Often Christians want to go in and clean up the garbage because it's, you see the garbage and you just want to help them get a better life. And sometimes that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to let them stay in that garbage until they get tired of the, the, the smell, until that garbage becomes so putrid they actually want to change. Or maybe it gets worked into the soil of their life so that they're receptive to the seed. This usually happens 
when I'm talking to a parent whose uh, child, you know, has, has, you know, wandered or left the faith. What can I do? What can I do? And often I say, nothing. Well, I got to do something. No, you don't. Spend more time talking to God about that person than talking to the person about God. Okay? Often that is the best thing you can do. And then be ready when there's tired of the junk, tired of the filth, that you can then say, you know, this was the filth in my life and this is how I got free. You know, and that creates an opportunity to communicate the love of Christ that can actually uh, get that seed to go down. And your goal is righteousness, being, bringing them, not, not, just, not just declaring right from wrong. That's not what the word righteousness means. It means coming into right relationship with God and, and coming into a relationship where they connect with God and they become uh, alive in God. And it means being willing sometimes to dig in. So if they give that opportunity, then you go, you know what? I'll help you through that. And getting your hands dirty in the process of investing in someone's life. And I love how Justin uh, 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 has taken the team out to some of the places that we probably avoid. And, that, uh, and they see, wow, there's actually people that have dire need. And whether they're homeless or whether they're living in a million-dollar mansion, people have dire need for truth. And we need to find ways to get the seed in so that it'll, it'll grow. It also may mean doing some heavy lifting. And that may be in their lives, but it may be in your life too. Because it may be the stones of prejudice, the stones uh, of, of, of uh, 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 lack of respecting people's uh, uh, differences, there's lots of heavy obstacles that prevent the seed from going deep because they can't hear because all they see is, uh, you know, this outward projection of I'm better than you or holier than you. Those are, those are stones that we have to find a way to overcome. Uh, and uh, sometimes it means doing some hard work in order to allow the root to grow deep into their heart. And that's our goal is to see them uh, become fruitful plants. All right, obstacle number five, the cares of the world. <clears throat> Jesus explains it this way. The ones who fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and the pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. Again, a question. How can we plant in a way that has a better chance if this is one of the obstacles our little seed may encounter? What might we do to overcome the obstacle when we're planting? Any idea? Take a guess. Just keep sowing. Absolutely. And sales, you know, it's every no is, is one mark toward the, the yes. <laughs> you know, so you don't get to 100 no's means you're closer to the yes. And so if one gets choked out, don't stop. Uh, I'm no good at, at witnessing. I spoke to that person and they just ne neglected it. What's another way? Praying. Excellent. Very good. Praying. Anything else? I thought, what's that? Not being afraid. I thought of minimizing these influences in our own lives. Making sure our garden isn't weedy. 
right? And that we're not distracted by the pleasures of this life, and we know, and we have our priorities, right? But also uh, help maybe weeding their garden and, and, and making disciples, uh, understanding that we're not just trying to convince people of a truth, but we're actually trying to lead people into a relationship. And if, if, if that is what you accomplish, then, uh, then, then you can warn them against, oh, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and those are distractions. Don't be distracted by that. Uh, so that uh, uh, you can stand and, and declare, like Paul did, that, <clears throat> uh, therefore I testify to you this day, I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. In other words, our goal is we plant seeds, but if that seed starts to sprout, then we want to we wanna tend it. We want to weed out the things that grow up. They may be uh, uh, influences that choke. And we want to communicate as best we can uh, to the degree that they're open of the whole counsel of God and help them uh, become fruitful plants. All right, this is getting to the last one. Um, he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, having heard the word with a noble heart and a, uh, a noble and good heart, it says in Luke, who indeed bears fruit and produces a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. <clears throat> As sowers, we need to look for fruit, okay? Um, people judge on outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And what I mean by this, uh, uh, we need to, to look for heart change. And sometimes the outward appearance, outward change takes longer. And I think a lot of people misunderstand the gospel in thinking that we just want people's behavior to change. But we want people's hearts to change. And if their heart changes, eventually it'll work out to outward change. And so they may still disagree on some things that are important, but if we can get them to a heart change, then you know, uh, it will produce in the long run good fruit. That's our goal heart responses, and not just outward compliance. And so you have to understand the ministry is to the heart. And, and, and sometimes you need to give people a lot of uh, latitude, tolerance. And, and many times I'm in situations where people have come to the Lord, maybe they've uh, gotten plugged in for a couple of months or even for a year, and then they'll, they'll do something really stupid. And people are, we gotta, we got to crack down on them. And I'm like, no, you need to just love on them. It's okay to make a mistake. Let them know they're still part of the family and come alongside them and, and help them and be concerned about their heart response more than their outward behavior. And, 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 and I believe that this next parable kind of uh, explains this. We're just going to read through it and then close. It's the very next passage in Matthew. Jesus says this. He said, another parable he put forth to him, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares, tares are wheat, or not wheat, are, are uh, weeds, sowed weeds among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, an enemy. Ah, there it is again. The enemy came and did this. The servant said, do you want us to go uh, and gather them up? But he said, no, at least while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until harvest. So just give it some time. 
At the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares, bind them into bundles, and burn them, and then gather the wheat into my barn. Uh, so let's not get un stuck on the obstacle of impatience. All right? There's this guy that I've been witnessing to for over 35 years. Seriously. Well, and I'm persistent. <laughs> but you know what? He's a friend. He likes me. I like him. He's an atheist. He knows where I stand. And I'm very careful not to, even though he shoves his atheism in my face as often as he can, I don't respond until there's the right time. I'll say a little thing here, a little thing there. you know. And he's less of an atheist now than he was 30 years ago. <laughs> he actually admitted he prayed last year. Yeah. He, pr he prayed to God when his brother-in-law died because uh, it shocked him. <clears throat> and so I, he's not really an atheist. He just doesn't want to admit it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, sooner or later, he's going to become fully a uh, 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 follower of Jesus, or I'm going to keep trying until I die. <laughs> um, we need to be patient. Keep planting seeds. Keep nurturing those sprouts. Keep praying. And believe that God's going to bring the increase. And this is what it teaches us in Scripture. It says, I planted the seed in your heart. That's what Paul did. He just planted the seed. Paulos, another worker, came along and watered it. But it's God who made it grow. It's God who does the growth. It's, it's not important who does the planting. It's not important. Or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. And so when we're sowing seed, when we're trying to influence people's lives, uh, we do the best we can, but we realize it's God's responsibility to make that seed grow. And so let's just pray. I just want to pray an impartation. <clears throat> if you're here and you've, you're, you maybe have never allowed the seed to grow in your life, you can do that simply by saying, yes, Lord. I accept you as my Savior, as my Lord. I ask uh, that you receive me as your son or daughter. And I ask forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And I can live free from sin, and I can live forever in your presence simply by embracing you as my, my Savior. And, and, and for all of us who have, have said that prayer and are living as Christians, I just pray an impartation of wisdom and power to become seed sowers, to become uh, influencers of the people around us, the systems and institutions around us, our society. Lord, that we could shine the light of God's love and truth in a way that brings about a harvest. Father, I pray, uh, Jesus, as you instructed, <clears throat> you said that the fields are white unto the harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out harvesters. And so, Lord, we pray that we would become good uh, sowers of the seed and good harvesters of the crop, that we could see a multitude come into relationship with you uh, through our words and our actions. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.